Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice. I'm so glad to be with you guys today. We are in a series called Following Jesus 101, and I'm so glad to be joined by my friend, Rachel. Rev. Rachel, well, that was a tongue twister. Rev. Rachel. Welcome back to the show. It does trip people up, doesn't it? Thanks. It's good, good to be back. Oh my gosh, guys, we are so excited to open scripture with you. And this has been a really cool series. I'm just always reminded, I don't know about you, Rachel, but whenever I go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it is just in some ways so practical, in some ways so challenging, in some ways so comforting. What's your take when you're back in the scripture again and thinking about what Jesus has to say to us about following him? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Oh man, it it depends on which section of the sermon that we're in. Well, I think the the section that we're going to look at today, especially I I I get mom glare vibes. You know, like when when you're messing around the grocery store and you get the mom glare. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I feel in this way. But for like for your good, for our, for our flourishing. But this this is the one that. It kind of rattles a little bit, I think, in a good way. Mom glare meaning like you feel exposed to like, oh, gosh, like this is yeah, this is convicting. Yeah, I know. And that's and that's part of I mean, when I think about the idea of scripture being alive and active and that God tells us that it's useful for teaching and for reproof, like that's the mom glare part. Mm -hmm. It's the part that says none of us are beyond we're always kind of striving and always have this measure in front of us that is impossible to meet without Christ within us, but also is just a really amazing look into what it looks like to live a good life here on earth. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today. We're going to read through verses 1 through 12. How about we take on a couple each and go back and forth, and then we'll talk a little bit about them. So go take take us away. All right. Sounds good. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, for they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets." Okay, first off, if anyone's wondering where the golden rule comes from, where that Found whole it. idea, right, of do unto others as you would have them do to you, that is straight from the mouth of Jesus. And now you're hearing it in context. Now you're hearing it where it's actually located in Scripture. And we've kind of got a lot of analogies going on in these 12 verses, a lot of different directions. Rach, when we talk about the ideas we do with the Alive Method of just kind of what does it say, when we start with what does it say, tell us a couple of things that stand out to you. Well, I think as looking at these 12 verses as a whole, I think what Jesus is doing in a lot of ways is summarizing everything that he has said Mm -hmm. in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. I think that's ultimately when we get to the golden rule, that that's a summary of everything he's been been teaching us this whole time. Yeah. But in terms of just really specifically what it says, it says a lot about judging. (laughs) Yeah, word shows up a lot. And I think he's trying to tell us something. Yeah. Yeah. When you when we get to verse six, so we've got this section on judgment and then we've got this new analogy, new metaphor that talks about this idea of don't give don't give away, you know, to dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. That's kind of a middle section. And then we've got this other side of like, what are you asking of from the Lord? So we've got these three pieces. So when we think about those three pieces, how do you think those sort of progress in the way that Jesus is teaching them to us that ends with this, okay, so in everything, which of course we know, anytime we read those conjunctions or transitions, that's helping us get a handle on how this is framing up the rest of it. Hmm. Well, I know when we had first started looking at this and we're talking about the backstory, really, I think the most important backstory for this is just a few verses back mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 633. So when, when Jesus is wrapping up what he's saying about, about anxiety and worry, mm-hmm. he says, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And really, that's been the narrative the whole time of the Sermon on the Mount is mm-hmm. seek God's kingdom, right? That's the good news Jesus is bringing. God's kingdom is drawing near to you. And mm-hmm. when you're doing that, these other things are going to flow from yeah. from pursuing God's kingdom. Yeah, and I love that because then if you start there in that verse 33, seek first his kingdom, then you're kind of getting a, here's what you should be doing, here's what you could be doing, and here's therefore what you will not be doing. So the the do nots that we read in chapter seven don't stand alone. They're actually connected to this idea of first thing that you're doing is seeking the kingdom, right? And we know that the kingdom is a place of righteousness, joy, and peace. Seeking that means inherently that you're not going to be doing these other things. And then we get into judgment. I would call verses, verse six, really, we get into wisdom. What does it look like to be a shrewd person to understand um, how we love in this er- on this world, in this earth? And then we get into, okay, now what does it look like to be in relationship, in communion and conversation with God for the gifts that he's bringing into your life? Hmm. 
Yeah, that's good. I know that another thing I was thinking about in studying this, and I actually tested this. I asked some of my college students this question. Okay. Of when when Christians object or when people when people object to Christianity, okay. so someone who's either an ex Christian who's left the faith or who's never participated in the faith, mm-hmm. what are their main objections? Like, what's their biggest issue with Christianity? Yeah. And without skipping a beat, my students' response was Christians are judgy and they're hypocritical. Uh huh. Very interesting to me because that's precisely what Jesus is <laughs> talking like, about. Don't here. do that. Yeah. So so basically, when of course not every time, but a lot of the time when people are objecting to Christians. What they're indicting us for is not obeying the Sermon on the Mount, yeah, um, which strikes me pretty hard. <laughs> so tell me, answer me this, because this is like the real tension that I feel like is related to this whole concept of judgment. What do you say to the person who says, yeah, but I who aren't I responsible for teaching others? Aren't I responsible for helping others pursue righteousness? Isn't it our responsibility to call out truth? How do I live a righteous life and not be judgmental? Mm, Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think like anything throughout the course of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts from a heart posture. I think there are a couple stages to how we think about that. And he's saying, don't judge so that you may not be judged, right? For with the judgment you will make, you will be judged, the measure will be given back to you, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what Jesus is doing, first of all, is reversing the natural human inclination, which is to be pretty lax with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was no big deal. I didn't really mean it. And really pretty harsh and pretty critical to other people when Mm -hmm. they do something stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus is calling us to reverse that and say, actually, assume the best intentions of other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Be really generous. uh, Let go of a critical spirit and be pretty ruthless with your own motives, like in your own kind of self-examination, not from a place of kind of self-loathing or something that's destructive, but rather um, being honest about how how convoluted our motives usually are. Yeah, yeah. Being really generous with other people. Yeah. And so I think it starts with that. But then it does get to where he says, you know, the whole speck, sawdust, log, plank yeah. thing. Eventually he does get to, look, you can actually help somebody get the sawdust out of their eye, but you got to deal with your own stuff first. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's Henry Nowen. Who says that only wounded healers can really help yeah. people? I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but and I think that is part of the spirit of this too. Is we have to recognize, and really, this is kicking us back to the beatitudes, right? Mm-hmm. We realize we're poor in spirit, and we really need God, and we're receiving God's grace. That I think puts us in a position to care for other people. And but I think Jesus is coming pretty hard at a critical spirit, and Christians are real good at being real critical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such an issue. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell a story from my own life that I think illustrates this kind of concept of we can be really convoluted with our own motives. So one of the things that happens as a parent is sometimes your kid messes up and you've got this big emotional reaction to it, right? And it's like, okay, it's my job to discipline this child. It's my, it's my job to, to set them straight and get them on the right path. But one of the things I found in my own life is that sometimes there's more emotion there than there's more feeling, there's more angst there. And what I've come to realize with self-examination, sort of in the concept of this passage, is a lot of times what I'm concerned about is how I appear Mm. because of my child. And so I'm, I'm, I'm basically manipulating myself to think that I have all this anxiety and all of this strength of care is actually related to the goodwill of my child. But if I'm honest with myself, there's also an aspect that's like, well, you don't reflect well on me. Mm-hmm. That's an example to me of this exact passage. It's like, if I don't remove the plank from my own eye, if I can't address the fact that I don't like how I appear in this situation, I'm actually not going to be able to deal with the speck in my child's eye, which is really 
a way to see life very, very differently. And I think for a lot of us, I don't want to in any way undermine the big issues that we face with young people and everything, but I think we can see things happening in young people, particularly our own children or this generation, and we see them as these massive things when in reality, our pride, our fear, our anxiety, our ways that we feel threatened is actually the big planks. Mm -hmm. And until we are able to bring those to the Lord and be healed there, we can't truly love the way that God's calling us to when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. That's good. Though, though, tell me, I'm curious, what do you do with, so verse six is happening. Yeah. There's pigs and mauling, <laughs> yes, apparently. What what do we do with that? Yeah, I mean, I've always taught this from the perspective of Jesus, to me, is such a realist. And I think we see Jesus being a realist throughout Scripture. And what I mean by that is that he gives us an ideal, and he speaks the reality of what it can look like to live in love as a human. But he also is very realistic about the fact that people do choose their own way. Like part of the human nature that God has given us is freedom. And freedom means that people might be like, I don't want what you have to offer. No, thank you. And you don't have to continue to give the best of who you are to people who trample on it. Like there is a sense of wisdom is given to those who want to listen to it. And that's all through Proverbs. It's like, who has ears to hear? And Jesus says all the time, if you have ears to hear, here's a story I'm going to tell if you have ears to hear. And Jesus isn't like, running people down and grabbing them by the arm and saying, like, I wish you understood my parable. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to my parable. He's kind of like, hey, this is a pearl. And if you want it, you're going to be around it. And if you're not, I'm going to continue on. And I, I don't think we're very good at that as Christians either, is to understand it's okay when someone rejects what you have to offer. You don't have to keep putting yourself into that position because God's got plans for you. He's got purposes for you. He has a, a place for you to be using the things that and the gifts that he's been given you and a lot of people think i I, i've got to stay in these like really toxic situations when i don't think that's what god's calling us to 
if I may go on a really nerdy tangent. Please just, do. For just a minute. Nerd out. It's, we ner- still, it's we, Bible time. Bible nerd time. Bible nerd time. We still need our, our sound effect. That, I know. When we, we have a nerdy moment. Someday. We'll get around to that. <laughs> um, but what that makes me think of, and I think we've talked about this, but one of my favorite early documents in the church is called The Letter to Diognetus. You can Google it. Okay. Public domain. And it's early centuries, and it was a Christian writing to a secular political leader trying to explain the weirdness of Christianity okay. and help him figure out what's going on. And there's this really great line where he's trying to explain that Christians are this way because of who God is. And he says, our God is a God of persuasion, not of compulsion. Uh-huh. And that is such a beautiful, beautiful. succinct way of thinking about God's personality mm-hmm. and character. That he's a God of persuasion, not of compulsion. Mm-hmm. And and even we see that in the next few verses, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Yeah. I love that passage. It's one of my favorites. And I think these and this this shows up in Luke as well, right? And and there's mm-hmm. some some correlation there, but I love just the the glimpse it gives us really into God's heart. Mm-hmm. God's like, of course, I want to give you good gifts. Yeah. If you treat your kids that way and y'all are a hot mess, don't you think that it is my desire mm. to do that for you? Mm. I love that. So kind of our last question, like, what does it mean for me? Because I think we've talked about a lot of different application and sort of interpretation that we can take from this passage. But I think for me, I, I'm landing on that last one, Rachel. I want to ask you the same thing. When I think about applying this to my life— this idea that God wants to give good gifts, hmm. just full stop, that that idea that when you come to him in prayer, he wants to give you gifts. When you come to him each day, he wants to give you gifts that every day is ripe with the possibility of good gifts. That's my takeaway because hmm. uh, that's not that's not my inclination toward the Lord to think that that's how I'm showing up to be with him each day. I'm trying to get my act together. I'm trying to clean myself up. And God's saying, listen, you you love your children no matter what state they're in. Don't you think I love you so much more than that? Mm, that's good. Yeah, I think for me, I actually did kind of land in the golden rule, yeah. which I'll, I'll read one more time. Yeah. Right, And everything due to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. And that hit me because I realized, oh, that actually kind of requires some creativity on mm. my part. Like I have to actually think about what would I want someone to do mm. for me? And am I willing to do that thing? Yeah. There's an engagement here that we're invited into. And I think one of my favorite Bible teachers says that this is the passage of Scripture that liberates the church from experts. Mm. Like, you don't have to have a PhD <laughs> to figure this out. Yeah. To obey the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm like, how am I overthinking it? And yeah. how can I be creative in thinking about what? how do I want to serve other people? How would I want to be treated in this? And I just don't think I'm usually that self-reflective. Oh, my gosh. So good. <laughs> Such good stuff. Hey, Rachel, thanks for your words today. Thanks for this passage. We're going to be back next week wrapping up this series. It's been real. It's been great. And we'll talk with you guys next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. 
Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.